Well, everyone, welcome to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. We are going to be going through what verse today, Patrick? Uh, not a verse, but the whole entire chapter of Psalm 93. But unlike the Devo that came out on Sunday, the whole chapter in Psalm 93 is only five verses. Good, because I wasn't sure I was going to be able to read that much. You know, there's a certain point where you just kind of stop and you're not really able to uh, understand that much. So it's good. This is like a bite-sized psalm. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Like maybe, I might even say this is like, this is more like an appetizer of a psalm. (laughs) Not quite a main course. Yeah, definitely. And it's cool to read five verses and say, hey, I just read a chapter of a book. Yeah, that is pretty true. Yeah. Uh, I like that about the Psalms. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of variation though. You have like the longest chapter in the entire Bible is Psalm 119, uh, which is huge. It's it's massive. Um, but you also have some of the shortest chapters. I don't remember what the shortest chapter is in the Bible, uh, but I think it might be a Psalm. That might be worth looking up. I I don't think it's a Psalm. I talked about it before. Oh, you did? Okay, well, I think Google's going to have to help us out with this. What is the shortest chapter in the Bible? Oh, you're right. It is the shortest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 117. I was getting that confused with the shortest book of the Bible, which is 2 John. Oh, right. Which only has one chapter, I think. Yeah. So Psalm 117 is the shortest. Correct. So Psalm 93 is definitely not the shortest, but it's it's bite-sized. That's that's for sure. Appetizer-sized, correct. All right, well, let me read it. Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, there it is. The seas have lifted up and the seas have lifted their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. I like that verse. I know, you know, the whole middle part of this, verses three and four, uh, really talks a lot about waves, Patrick. And and I have to admit, I am not someone who surfs. <laughs> I I am someone who surfs, but if I was a sailor, that would be kind of an alarming thing to wake up to. <laughs> Pounding waves, that is true. lifted seas, that'd be pretty intense. Surfers love waves, uh, Folks who are sailors, they're, they're not so happy about waves. That's right. But what is God trying to say in all of this? Uh, and so the, the psalmist, the person who wrote the psalm, uh, begins and kind of ends with this, just talking about how great God is. Yeah. And, and you don't normally hear that. Like, I don't know. I don't normally walk down the street and hear people talking and have someone kind of say, oh, man, God is like really great and powerful. God's really mighty. God is bigger than... Uh, you know, whatever might seem big to them at the time. Um, you don't you don't usually hear that, right? That's not something you just kind of happen upon. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of unusual. So it's unusual to hear people talk about God. And someone wrote a poem about how great God is. And that's what we have, this song right here. 
Yeah, and they use a lot of like poetry uh, that's a part of it. Um, I don't know, Patrick, if you remember your old, you know, like high school English days. Uh, but back back in that in that day, they talk a lot about you know similes and metaphors and and if you're trying to give someone an example or, or, or illustrate how big or how mighty or how whatever something is, you would use metaphors and you would use uh, similes. And so here we have uh, an example of of that happening. Um, we get this image at the beginning though. Uh, where we see that God is robed in majesty. And if you think about like, you know, if you see people and how people are are living and working, uh, usually their their clothing or like the outside of who they are, um, what they're what they're showing is is kind of like their image of who they are, right? So like yeah. a lawyer is gonna dress a certain way. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine a lawyer showing up to represent you wearing swim trunks and a sleeveless t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, sorry, man. Beach is the other way. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is not this is not what I signed up for or am paying for. <laughs> but uh or a doctor is gonna dress a certain way. Uh, right? You know, you don't you don't want that same sleeveless t-shirt person busting in being your doctor. This just seems a little weird. Well, I would have more trust in that than that sleeveless shirt guy being my lawyer. Or like, let's say you hire someone to paint your house, and they show up wearing a tuxedo. You're gonna, you're gonna maybe think about that, right? Uh, be like, I don't know if a tuxedo's the right choice. <laughs> and so, uh, here's what's cool in Psalm 93, right from the beginning, the Lord reigns, so He's the King. Like right? that's that's what it's saying, and He's robed. Uh, his clothing, His outward appearance is majesty, pure majesty. Uh, kind of a crazy idea here. Uh, that the Lord is robed in um, in majesty. It's kind of a hard word to think about, but you can think about it being like there's a syn- synonym for it. You know, same word that is illustriousness. It's kind what? of a bigger <laughs> word than illust. Like if something's illustrious, it is like majestic. Um, okay. Okay. And so it's like, yeah, I know. And words get kind of big here. Uh, and so the Lord is, um, you know, it's kind of similar even to like the negative side of majesty would be to be arrogant. It would be having majesty without actually being majestic. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, and so this is like the, the Lord is robed in just this glory and this majesty. Um, I think majesty might be the best word we have for this. Um, there may not be another word that would, that would quite fit. But that's right. what God wears. That's that's what the outward appearance is. And what's cool is the outward appearance of God is the same of what God is. Um, I don't think God necessarily hides. Uh, he doesn't necessarily hide from us other than he is so big. He is so powerful that he kind of can't show all of himself to us at once because we just wouldn't even exist anymore, right? Uh, Scripture tells us that, you know, surely I can't see God or or I'll die. But God is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and he's armed with strength. Now, I don't walk around being armed. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't do the whole concealed carry thing. That's that's just not my jam. Uh, Not really into that. Um, You know, uh, and I'm not trained in like martial arts. So my hands are not lethal weapons. Um, I, (laughs) I know that for a fact. But, um, 
God is majestic, but he also has that backed up with with strength. Yeah, and then the next line, indeed, the world is established, firm, and secure. I I read those three lines and think, wow, you know, God is so big. He's so strong. He has all this strength. Um, and he has the time to still like care about me. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of bigger things that he needs to use his strength for, uh, but he still saves some strength for me, which is kind of nice. And he's keeping me secure. And then it says that your throne, because God is king. Remember, he's reigning. He's king. He's robed in majesty. He's got, uh, he has strength with him. And his throne is established long ago. So his kingdom is from long ago. It's not that he's like recently king. And and uh, he's from all eternity. Now, man, this is kind of hard to understand. And, and I don't think we can fully fathom the idea of something being eternal. But the way that this is put is, from all eternity, I guess not partial eternity. I don't know what that would even mean, but basically from everlasting. I think for some of us in our lives, we think that God wasn't in charge, uh, or we think that God's um, kingdom wasn't established. And as soon as we understand God, we're like, okay, now God is king. Now God's in charge. Well, in actuality, he always has been in charge, right? Yeah. There's no start date. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's no start date and there's no expiration date either. So God's kingdom was established long ago from all eternity, which is pretty crazy. And also shows us how much God is God. So I think when I look at these first two lines of Psalm 93, I just think about God being on the throne. And I think of God being in charge and he always has been in charge and he's strong and he's majestic. God is God. It's respectable to realize that the psalmist knew that. The way it's written, he's not saying, oh, you know, God, he's not informing us. He's, it's like surrendering and recognizing that God is all these things and that he is on his throne and he is strong and he is established and he is secure uh, and he is for all of eternity. So this is not uh, something that's supposed to, is designed to be educational for us. It's designed to, for us to say along with the psalmist to God, um, bowing down before Christ, um, just as I'm sure the psalmist did as these words are coming to him. And then we take a shift though, right? And we shift into the seas. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Now we're going to get into the waves. Now I I wonder about this. Like, do you think when the psalmist was writing this, he was, you know, like checking out some waves or do you think maybe he had gone on like a, uh, a cruise or something or been on a boat and there's like these crazy waves that have crashed. And, and, you know, I actually today, even I was reading, um, a crazy story out of the book of acts where Paul is a prisoner and he's being taken to Rome and he's on a ship and the ship starts to like basically fall apart and it runs ashore on a sandbar and then pieces of the ship start to break off and the ship's going to like, get destroyed. So they throw out everyone who can swim gets to go out first and they swim to the shore. And then the people who couldn't swim, they just gave them planks to like hold on to and ride to the shore. Dang. And it says, and God kind of had, had told this to Paul that no one was going to lose their life and no one did lose their life. Uh, but typically, and I, I've seen some videos of, of ships getting into waves. It doesn't go well. Right. Right. Pretty gnarly. Pretty, and pretty gnarly. And and the waves are something that are 
have crazy amount of power. Now, Pat, is, is there a way that, I don't know, is there a way you can describe or at least give us an example of how much power is in even like a small wave? It's uh, the, the best way to describe it is if you are standing on the shore and you're right at the water's edge and you're, you're bare feet, you're on the sand and a wave comes in, that wave, when it hits your feet, it'll travel up your leg right? And you can tell how powerful the wave is by if your shorts get wet or not, or by if you tip over. And there's some circumstances, some waves where, you know, your feet will get wet, no big deal. But then there's some, you, you know, your knees will get wet or there's some, you know, it'll hit you and it'll knock you over and then your whole body's wet. Uh, so waves have varying power, uh, but that's like a good way to kind of experience for anyone can go to the beach and experience the waves power in that way. I think that the psalmist writing this was trying to get at the, uh, God is so powerful that it's almost impossible to describe, but he was taking a shot at it. You know, there is no way that I can go and stop a wave from pounding. There's no way I can shout loud enough to make a wave happen. Uh, there's no way that uh, I can like make thunder come out of the sky or anything like that. And only God can do that. But I think he's trying to say God can do these things because and this is the only thing that I have co- to compare to that's not even close to what the power that God has. And I think about, you know, what's the most powerful thing you can think of? And you might think of like, you know, uh, some kind of, a, um, you know, way that we make power, for example, right? So think of like, well, a nuclear reactor is a really powerful thing. Right. Or, you know, if you have all these solar panels or wind generators or whatever, like th- those are powerful. Uh, they help generate power. And I was actually looking at something where they're trying to, and, and they've done this successfully, but uh, they try to get power from the changing tides and from the waves hmm. because there's so much power when water moves. Yeah. Uh, and so, and it's always moving and the waves seem to always keep coming no matter what. Right. And so, um, they're trying to figure out, well, how, how do we harness that energy? And one of the biggest problems with it is that the waves are so powerful that the equipment gets destroyed all the time. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So not just the, the power of the waves, but also the salt in the water and the equipment just doesn't last very long and it doesn't become efficient because of how much power is in the wave. So when I think of, you know, a river might be pretty powerful, but then if you think about how big the ocean is yeah, uh, and how many miles of coastline and how much, um, how many waves break along the shore. And if you go to the, the beach and you look at it and you see all that sand, well, that sand, right? It's like rocks and stuff and shells and whatever that just get ground down because those waves just keep going. That's right. And the power is, is so massive. Yeah. Um, so I love verse four, right? Like you said, mightier than the thunder of great way, waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of power. If you looked at all the power of all the waves in the entire world, and you could say, well, guess what? God, God is more powerful than that. That's a, a really to, big statement. Hard, <laughs> it is. It's hard to even fathom. I can't even think of it. Yeah. Um, you know, let alone thinking about how big the ocean is anyway. You know, I've flown on an airplane to Hawaii before. And from San Diego to Hawaii, it's water the whole time. And you can look yeah. out your window at any moment and see waves underneath you. 
And also just knowing, you know, you look at a map, that distance yeah. is not even like close to probably, a, you know, a tenth of the size of the ocean. It's just, it's hard for me to even wrap my head around when I'm at the beach, seeing all the waves coming in, how much power that is. <laughs> so I really can't think about the whole world. Can you imagine what it would take to stop a wave? Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's, I mean, things, <laughs> waves are stopped by, you know, the tide, but the tide is a huge force. Uh, yeah. But you think of like a tidal wave, a tsunami, it takes miles and miles of the water being like going over things and being displaced before it'll slow down. Yeah. Yeah. And God's still stronger than that. I mean, God could step onto the beach and go, you know, oh man, a hundred foot tidal wave coming stop. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and it would. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy. Like, you know, Jesus, right. He was out on the water and he's sleeping and, and, uh, he rebukes the wind and the waves and the disciples are like, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Um, crazy, right? That Jesus had that power, which is kind of cool. So this verse is before Jesus, but it points to Jesus in a lot of ways, or Jesus fulfills this verse, right? um, that Jesus was mightier than the great waters. Jesus was mightier than, than the pounding waves. Yeah. Uh, Pretty cool. And lastly, moving on to verse five, we have in here, which I think is, is pretty interesting. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. So there's kind of a couple ideas in here. And the first one is, is God's statutes or God's rules, God's law. Um, they stand firm. And I don't know about you, but the thing that always made me the most frustrated when I was in school was when people would change the rules. Oh, Yeah. And you always had that one friend at recess who would change the rules of games to make it so they would win. Right. That's so And I so never unfair. liked that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I never liked that guy. It, you know, the guy who you'd get out there and you'd be playing kickball and he'd, he'd say, oh, well, actually, uh, we're going to play it differently today. And the rules would keep changing. And you're like, what is this? This is no fun. Yeah. Um, I can't ever win. Or maybe, maybe you have a teacher who uh, will change the classroom, change the expectations on you. And most teachers don't do that. But occasionally you might get one who would do that. Uh, and, and they'll set everything to a standard. And then they might raise the standard up higher. And you're like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to win in this? Right. Um or they'll give you rules and then they'll have to change them in order to make things uh, work better. Well, God's statutes, God's rules, they stand firm. Um, yeah. They're not something that are going to shift and change around. And and that's, man, that's really helpful to know. Right. Um, it's, yeah, it's not like the deal changes every couple of years. It's that these statutes are going to, are going to hold up. And what's crazy is, is they have. Um, yeah. The statute. Yeah. And, and there's even some people who've done a little bit of uh, analysis of, of some of our legal system and how our legal system was heavily influenced by some of the Old Testament law. Uh, and there's even some Old Testament um, law that I was reading and realized, oh, we actually have some of these laws built in to our, um, to our laws today, which is kind of crazy. So yeah. if you know any Christian people who, who read the Bible and who are attorneys, you should... Uh, ask them about that because I'm sure they could give you some good examples of where that's happened, where we still today are looking back to the Old Testament, to some of God's laws. Yeah. But that's also a a note to how strong uh, God is, you know, armed with strength. 
laws around here seem to change every few years. Laws are being updated. Things are being removed. Things are being added. But, you know, God's strength was also in making statutes that will stand the test of time. Uh, That is something that I think is so hard for anyone to do to make a law that is going to be perfect for eternity. But God did that also. And that's so there's a not just a physical strength of being able to move the seas. There's an intellectual strength that God had um, and still has. That is just so much more um, advanced and deep than what any of us can really understand. And we, and we live into that. And I think that's part of like why, at least for me, I, uh, look up to God and follow him so closely as much as I can is because he's, he's the ultimate wisdom, the strength and wisdom, not just the strength that like stop a, a tidal wave or move the seas or anything. And then lastly here, it says that holiness adorns your house, uh, for endless days. Mm -hmm. So, um, and this possibly could be referring directly to the temple, uh, because um, when typically back in the day when they talked about God's house, they were they would think of the temple, uh, because that's where the fo- the people back then uh, would would think about where God um, would live or where His footstool would be would be in the temple, and God's temple is indeed holy um, for endless days forever. Now. This is a cool idea. And, you know, the temple was such a holy place that they made it. You know, the closer you went to the Holy of Holies, the more um, gold there was, the more jewels, the, like the higher end things got. <laughs> uh, you know, so like you, you get out, basically you get out into the outer courtyards. You're like, it's kind of like Honda territory. Uh, as soon as you, you know, you get in, you're talking about like closer, you get into like the Mercedes territory. Uh, and then, you know, you'll get all the way into like, I don't know, whatever the most expensive kind of a car would be. Um, but, but it just keeps going like that, where you get into the, the holy and holy and holy. And it was a representation, not of wealth, um, but it was a representation or visual representation of, um, of God's holiness. And so we, we end this Psalm by saying, not only God, are you mighty, you're majestic. Uh, not only are you like you pointed out, um, that you're intelligent, you know, your statutes stand firm, uh, you're mightier than the waves, but you're holy, uh, and your house is holy and it's going to stay holy for endless days. Now, here's a cool thing. We fast forward into new Testament times. We fast forward in Jesus, uh, and we fast forward into uh, an idea of call of call, uh, that we call the priesthood of all believers that we actually get to be, and the Bible tells us that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit dwells in us, meaning we can be holy. And yeah. we can be holy for endless days because God is holy and because God chooses to live in us and God gives us that grace. So this is kind of a cool deal that we get to experience holiness because of Jesus. Yeah. Amen to that. Sounds good, man. Hey, well... Um, Pat, I hope you enjoy some waves and I hope that, uh, even though they're mighty, you're able to, uh, not necessarily conquer them, but ride them to victory. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. All right, man. Well, we'll see you later. Bye everyone.